Hello and welcome to Creative Lives, the Lecture in Progress podcast. Lecture in Progress is an online resource that inspires and informs the next generation of talent by providing practical advice and insight into the creative industry. This podcast series features a broad range of people talking about what they do and how they got to where they are. Our guest this week is graphic designer Lucienne Roberts. So I'm Lucienne Roberts and I run a studio called Lucienne Roberts Plus, which is a graphic design studio. And I'm also co-founder of Graphic Design And, and we publish books and curate exhibition projects that explore graphic design in relation to another subject. Whether it's publishing books or designing and curating exhibitions, including the recent Hope to Nope exhibit at the Design Museum, an ongoing engagement in politics is at the core of Lucienne's practice. We've always been very selective about the projects that we do. We've always wanted them to, in some way, do good. I know how one defines that is really up for grabs, but most of it is set against some sort of political agenda because that's always been the underlying thing for me. Growing up with creative parents, Lucienne sidestepped any notion of a traditional career path. My parents were both designers. My dad was a typographer. My mum was an illustrator. They met at Central. So it's not a huge leap of imagination to see why I ended up doing what I did. My only act of rebellion was going to drama school, which is not exactly a big act. It's still in the arts, isn't it? What I saw demonstrated by them was that it was possible to make a living, to exist. Traditionally, people see that people have a job, whereas I didn't see people having jobs. I saw people pulling money from various sources, juggling different things, working at home, his studio was at home. It was quite stressful, it was very hard work, but he had control, he had more autonomy. So it was clear to me that that was what you could do. I've never had a proper job, never. I'm so not the right person to have a proper job. So uh, when I left school, I went to drama school. So I went to the Central School of Speech and Drama and I studied stage management, which is all the sort of backstage stuff. This was obviously because I'd done lots of theatre at school and been in plays and all of that. I remember on the first day, the head of department said, you've got to eat, sleep, think theatre. And I was worried because even then I thought, ooh, I'm not sure if I do eat, sleep, think theatre. And I've completed the course, but I had my doubts about whether it was really for me. But the best, best, best thing that came out of it, and I'm so, so glad I did it, was that we worked really long hours, often at night, and I still do that. And we were incredibly disciplined. This was not a sort of standard student experience, you know, because theatre is extremely disciplined. You can't be late for that show going up. You know, you have to be there. So I learned a lot about self-discipline, dedication and hard work and also organisational skills. It was all about organisational skills, actually. And of course, I learned about the theatrical experience, which which stayed with me and has played out later in my work. But I left feeling, you know, worried, really, because I just didn't think that was what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And I remember talking to my parents about it, and my dad very tentatively saying, have you thought about going to art school, bearing in mind that he that's exactly what he'd done. And I thought, oh, maybe. So I took a bit of time, developed a portfolio, Applied for Central. I was the last intake at Central before they merged with St Martins. So everyone coming up behind me, it was CSM, got in there. Central has had a history for typography. It was the right place, actually, because I'm such a words person. So I loved being at Central and I loved all the letterpress and it was great. I was really 
glad to, to have been there. And I loved that building on Southampton Row. And I loved walking up the same steps that Alan Fletcher had walked up and King Garland had walked up, you know, all of that. I was very romantic about it from that point of view. So that was great. And then later in my 30s, I thought, oh, I really miss being a student. If I hadn't done drama, if I hadn't gone to art school, what would I have done? I know I would have done an English degree. So then I went to Birkbeck and I studied in the evenings and took an English degree. And that really helped me to learn how to write. I couldn't do what I do without being able to write because that's, that is actually the way I think, is writing it down. Lots and lots of designers are visually much more intuitive than I am, but I, I suppose I, was, I always gravitated towards modernism as a, an ethos to follow. And I guess that's because I'm a bit more linear in the way that I think. It's a bit like when you write an essay, you know, beginning, middle and end, and how you set out your argument. That's kind of how I approach everything. When I left Central, I worked for a letterpress printer called Ian Mortimer. So I did that, uh, again, part-time, printing on Albion presses, hand typesetting, all of that. Great discipline, love hot metal, and still a fantastic way to learn about typography. But I saw this advert for a, a part-time role at the Women's Press, and I loved their books. I was very interested by them, and so I applied, and I got that job, and I worked two days a week there under the art director, Suzanne Perkins. And that was actually nearly everything politically that has, from a work point of view, that has come since, is traceable back to that decision. So fantastic small publisher in Clerkenwell. And I met a fantastic bunch of women who were angry, active, determined, super engaged. And Suzanne was very interesting from a design point of view, completely other from me, bearing in mind that I also brought this interest in modernism. The women's press graphics could hardly be described as modernists. They were absolutely not like that. But I still, when I give talks, actually show their logo, which was an iron, women's press, and often very witty. And that's how it had it effect, I think. When you open every book, there's, a, there's an iron on the front and it says steaming ahead on it. You know, the, the, it, it's just, they're funny, but you kind of get, okay, I get that message. So that was great. Very good experience. Stayed there for a couple of years whilst building up other work. I suppose one of the first freelance projects that was important was I did a lot of work for the ICA and I met the in-house marketing person, PR person, Jane Harper. She'd come from what was London College of Printing and had a typographic background as well and was responsible for commissioning all the design for ICA. And I learned a lot from her as well. But in terms of looking to, to what happened later, a lot of the people who worked at the women's press of my generation then went to work in politics more broadly or ended up connecting with other people who, you know, they introduced me to other people who were working in politics more broadly. So a huge amount of the work that we've done ever since, if I did a little diagram, would end up back at the women's press, which is, you know, all the ICA. It's interesting. I became external design consultant to Breakthrough, the breast cancer charity. And the chief executive then, Delith Morgan, I remember sitting round a table with her at one of our presentations. And she said to her team, it doesn't matter whether you like what Lucy's doing, what's important is how effective it is. And they were trying to raise money for research into breast cancer. And it was such a relief to have a client say that, actually, so that the colours weren't about, do you like this colour or not? It was very focused on the sort of higher ambition. 
And working with her, I learned a lot about the, the power of graphic design, actually. And, you know, I've never had meetings before or since where people, you know, would cry. But of course you were, some of it was extremely hard hitting and some of it was very subtle. But nevertheless, you know, at, at the bottom line of it was about life and death. You know, that was made me sort of simultaneously proud and respectful and anxious that the work did do good in that sense. You know, I was lucky to have that opportunity fairly early on. It sort of validated what I'd hoped to be true, that we could make a difference. So a bit of background about Graphic Design and I co-founded this with Rebecca Wright, who runs the communication design course at Central St. Martins. We, we've been long-standing friends. We talked for many years, actually, about how graphic design, often publishing relating to graphic design, is very focused on aesthetics. It's not really focused on what it is the graphic design is doing, necessarily. And that was the thing that we wanted to explore and foreground. So we set up Graphic Design and to show how the role of graphic design in relation to all other subjects. So that's why it's called graphic design and, because every project is a graphic design and something else project. And the, the two that we've done most recently are graphic design and health and graphic design and politics, both of which are fields in which I've worked as a graphic designer anyway. And so they're very close to our you know, studio hearts, if you like, as well. So graphic design and health was at the Welcome collection gallery and it was called can graphic design save your life and a quite a provocative title and really we were trying to demonstrate the role of graphic design in saving lives which it, you know it was provocative but intentionally so and that opened last september closed in january um so it was we're extremely proud of it really and the the other project is another graphic design and project the graphic design and politics which it's an exhibition called hope to nope at the Design Museum, it's on at the moment. And um, we worked with one of their in-house curators, Margaret Cubbage. And then we, we produced a book to go with it and learnt a huge amount, not just about curating, but about the subject, you know, uncovered an enormous amount of material that we didn't know about. I think Graphic Design And is all about looking at the other subject and looking at the relationship of graphic design to the other subjects. And it's a way of trying to make our subject accessible to non-graphic designers. That's, that's one of the primary objectives, is that every project we do, we work with people who are experts in another field, and that unlocks a different audience. And actually, that's, that is the problem with a lot of graphic designers, is that although what we do is visible, it's out there all the time, our world is very closed to most people. They have no idea what we're doing. Really no idea. When you say you're a graphic designer, what do you do, posters? That's, that's kind of the limit of... <laughs> and people have no idea how it affects their behaviour, you know, and the, the, the way that you emphasise any, any message visually can change how, it's effect, how effective it is or how it's perceived. So that's really what we're trying to do with graphic design and. We're great advocates for graphic design, that's the thing. But we think it's important that everybody values it, not just us. Set against the political times in terms of being a designer now I'm pleading with the generations that are coming up behind me to be politically engaged and to be aware of what's going on and to ask proper questions and not take things on face value 
So I would advise any designer who's got some interest in politics to really learn about it and to really understand what's going on and to be super questioning about it, but also to believe they can make a difference because, of course, my generation are looking to a younger generation with a sense of hope in that there's a space for idealism. I had it. That is the thing that drove me, that I thought we could make it better. And I think we can make it better, but it falls, unfortunately, to younger people to take that baton now. My advice would be to stick with it and to believe it's possible, because it is possible. This episode of Creative Lives was brought to you by Lecture in Progress. It was presented by me, Indy Davis, and the guest was Lucienne Roberts, interviewed by Marianne Hanoon. The editor was Ivor Manley. Lecture in Progress is made possible with the support of a number of brand patrons. They include us two, GF Smith, and the Paul Smith Foundation. For more information, check out lectureinprogress.com. <laughs>